Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitzman, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News. And we've got a lot of great news we want to cover. We have, what, one, two, really about three stories. First, we're going to talk about Justin Gatlin's retirement, what his legacy is going to be looking like since the retirement. Two, we see the Olympics actually allowing an athlete that has taken performance-enhancing drugs to still compete in the Olympics and how that actually ties into Shikari Richardson. And then we're going to finish off with some college track, discussing some national records that have gone down, and then the real battle for first place for the team titles as well. So you're definitely going to want to tune in. Make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, leave a review. All of that really helps us know that you're enjoying everything. And let's just jump into it. So, uh, first article that we want to we want to begin with, and that's going to be Justin Gatlin, the legend in track and field, has officially retired. So, a few days ago on Instagram, uh, Justin Gatlin posted a video, actually a series of videos called "Dear Track," where he writes a note to track and field, the sport, talking about all the ups, all the downs, the story, the passion, the love that he has for this sport that he's competed in for such a long time. It's really uh, a touching story. It's talking about how he is closing the chapter for this part of his life and he is prepared to open up a next one. What that might be, it's looking like probably coaching. He's currently coaching a group of young athletes. There are, I think, nine or ten uh, in sprinting, and they're actually going to be competing against the, one of the fastest kids in Jamaica as well. So maybe that's going to be an avenue he's going to be hopping into. We know he has really good mentorship with Shakari Richardson as well. And so he's calling it a career. And first, let's take a look at some of the stats uh, that he has. Obviously, sixth fastest man ever with a time of 9.74. He did that in 2015 in Doha. In uh, He is the Olympic gold medalist in the 100 back in 2004. He has two Olympic silver medals, two Olympic bronze medals. He is a four-time world champion, and he has run sub-10, 10 out of the last 12 years in his professional career. He just turned 40 on February 10th, and that is when he announced his retirement. And so the question after looking at all of these notes really is, what is Justin Gatlin's legacy going to be? Because you have to acknowledge all of the good things. Yes, he was able to have a very sustainable career where he was in the top for medal contention. Usain Bolt even note, named him as his toughest competitor in his entire career. And you, you have to note that. He is one of the greatest legacies in track and field. But we can't forget that he also has his name tarnished with some uh, PED use or suspensions, whatever you may call it. So first one in 2001 uh, was for amphetamines. Uh, he That was back when he was in Tennessee. And so he actually was taking a form of ADHD medication uh, and that tested positive for uh, PED use. So he had to serve a one-year suspension back in college. Uh, then a second time was in 2006. He actually um, tested positive for testosterone, claims that he doesn't recognize doing it, and he didn't, he didn't think that he did. It was originally going to be a six-year suspension, but that was taken down to a four-year ban. And 
So that was that's five years out of his career that was not he was not able to compete. And that's longer than most professional sprinters actually compete. And so you have to take that into consideration that five years of this guy's career, he wasn't able to compete. And because of that, we missed a lot of key races that were going to really set up the way the track and field was going to be. He missed the 2008 Olympics because of this. And since he missed the 2008 Olympics, I mean, if he wins Olympic gold against Volt, I mean, that was in part of his prime of his career. I mean, he had such a long prime. What have we seen that, hey, maybe Bolt doesn't win the 2008 Olympics. Maybe he doesn't go on this massive run that he does uh, because just winning 2012 and 2016 wouldn't have been as much of a, oh, man, you've been doing this for a long time as winning it from 2008 to 2016. And so him being suspended, I mean, in my eyes, like I, it, it impacts his legacy for sure because it's, it's, it's PED use. And in, in my mind, sure, like – I'd like to take the benefit of the doubt in saying you didn't know what you were doing. You didn't know that you take you took it. It was an accident. You weren't sure how it got in your system. Sure. I'd love to give you the benefit of the doubt. But at the end of the day, it's still a suspension and it still happened twice. And yeah, I know the first one was a, a little a little bit different, but it's still a long suspension and that has to be taken accounted for. And I feel that impacts your legacy because if if, if it happens to any other athlete, it's going to impact theirs. I mean, what if LeBron James got suspended for not only one season, but four seasons? Like, that's four years out of his career. Of course it's going to impact his his entire livelihood and how people view him. What if Tom Brady was suspended for four years for uh, a, sus- a possible suspension or whatever it is? Like, all of these things, if you take it into context of other sports, of course it's going to have an impact. And so why wouldn't it have an impact here? And so with that... Like, I don't think that you can put him in the top five athletes because top five sprinters because of that suspension. Now, I know the next thing that people are going to say, okay, Colin, who are the other people that you're going to be putting in front of them? Because I bet you that those other athletes are all, or a few of those other athletes are going to also have a similar issue when it comes to PED use or a suspension. And you're right. Like there are going to be other athletes that have similar PED uses, which makes it difficult to have him in to have a, a true top five, top ten, because there's a lot of sprinters that are, have been tied with drug use and uh, or suspensions, and many of them are you know vary in in differency. Like, I mean, obviously, recently you had the suspension that Shakara Richardson had for you know marijuana, where then you have someone else that's taking testosterone, and so. Those are two extremely different things. And so how do how do you impact someone's legacy with that? And so um, for me, like, like it's so tough. Like if we were not looking in the PED, so if we said, hey, he served his time, like let's not take that into account, then I have him, what, like fifth. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I have him fifth if we're not taking into account all of that. So my top five sprinters of all time would be Bolt, Lewis, Johnson, Owens and Gatlin. So those would be my top five sprinters uh, of all time on the men's side. And if we were doing uh, men's and women, I have him down uh, like eighth or eighth or ninth. If we're not in counting, well, then again, if you say you're not counting PDs, then you'd have to take a look at some other sprinters on the women's side that 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 would impact as well. But I would have him around eighth or ninth with uh, Bolt, Flojo, Lewis, Shelly and Fraser Price, Johnson. Owens, Elaine Thompson, Ara, and and Gatlin there. So I, I would have him around the top five for men if we're not taking into account PED use, and then I uh, or sorry suspensions. Don't want to 
say what I don't want to say the wrong thing. Uh, suspensions, and then I would say around the top ten uh, of of all time for for men and women. And so, yeah, he had a great career. I mean, this is someone that was running sub ten at 39 years old. Uh, I know a lot of people probably wanted to see if he was going to be able to take it into 40, be the first person that's 40 years old and running sub 10. But I mean, yeah, he's had such a dominant or long career that you don't see in sprinters. I mean, like I said, most sprinters are running for five years. I mean, the fact that you, he was before the Usain Bolt era, and then he was running after the Usain Bolt era. Like, think about that. Like Usain Bolt had an eight year stretch of dominance from 2008 to 2016. Justin Gatlin was here before and after that. And so to be, and of course, during it, of, of, of course. So to have somebody that is that good for that long is extraordinarily impressive. I mean, that's, it's like the likes of Tom Brady, the likes of LeBron James, where they are starting their careers before many of the best athletes do. And then they're ending the careers before many uh, after many of those same great athletes retire. So extremely, extremely uh, impactful. Uh, excited to see what he's going to be doing in the next steps of his career. Is he going to be coaching? Is he going to be doing something that's not involved with track at all? What's it going to be? So excited to see what's going to happen with him. Uh, fantastic career and um, looking forward to seeing what, uh, what else happens next. Then next is a story we definitely have to to talk about that has to do with the Olympics actually letting an athlete that tests positive for a performance-enhancing drug to continue to compete at the Olympics. So, if you don't know what happened, let's do a quick rundown. So, in December, a figure skater, I know we're, we're talking about figure skating, but we're going to tie it to track and field, I promise. Uh, a figure skater by the name of Camila Valer, Valeria? Sorry if I butchered the name. She's a 15-year-old figure skater from Russia. She tested positive in December for a performance-enhancing drug. It begins with T. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but essentially what it does is it allows more blood flow uh, to pump from the heart. So it allows you to ha- have that throughout your body. So it's a performance-enhancing drug. And she tests positive for it in December, but she has an ongoing case that's going on from December until now making like seeing if she did take it the the quantities you know who's at fault all of that so it's an ongoing case and so she tests positive for it and then they 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 reveal kind of what's going on while at the olympics and so just the other day this is kind of broken and the olympics decides that she is going to be allowed to compete in figure skating uh, but if she medals in the top three, they're not going to hold the medal ceremony at all. So if she gets third, second, or first, that ceremony gets canceled. Uh, And she has two more events that she's going to be competing in, and she's favored to medal in both of those events. So now, how does this tie to track and field? Well, let's take a look at Shakara Richardson just not too too long ago, just a a few months ago, where she tests positive for, for marijuana after the trials, and they bar her from the Olympics. She's not allowed to compete at all. Uh, she takes the suspension, and, and that's it. And Shikari was mad, <laughs> rightfully so. She posted a tweet. If you go to her Twitter, um, you, you might have to do a little digging by the time you listen to this, but uh, if you look at her Twitter, uh, she says, uh, responding to a note that this lady is now allowed to compete, she says, quote, can we get a solid answer 
on the difference of her situation and mine. My mother died and I can't run and I was also favored to place top three. The only difference I see is I'm a black young lady. And looking at it like, yeah, she has the right to be pissed. She has the right to be upset. Because in my mind, if you're testing positive for a performance enhancing drug, you shouldn't be allowed to compete. Like there, there shouldn't be, this shouldn't be a thing. Like if you, if you test positive, you're, you're done. You're not allowed to compete in it. Now, yes, I know there are some there's some issues on what's going on with the the court case and and everything like that because of you know she like oh there's an ongoing case what if it finds out that she doesn't and then she wasn't allowed to compete in the Olympics it's like well this happened a month ago if we can't figure out what's going on within a month like I'm 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 sorry you're you're not competing like if you can't figure that out like that should be all of the incentive to to figure this out not a month ago I'm sorry that was three what December. January, February. Yeah, you had three months. You had three months to figure this out. And you're just now, you know, you're, you still haven't done. Like, I'm sorry, like, you're you're not able to compete. And so the, the other question would be is who's to blame here and who should we look at? Because right now, the Olympics is setting a precedent that I don't think they realize is as big of a deal as it's going to be. Because now, if an athlete tests positive for a PED... They can still be able to compete at the world stage. They just got to figure out a way to do what this lady did or whatever her coaching staff did and be like, oh, yeah, like now we don't have to, uh, you know, we can still compete. We can still do all this even if we tested positive. Like you're setting a precedent and you're you're opening up a door that I'm not sure you want to do. Uh, and Shakara Richardson should be pissed because she's like, wait, why is she getting special treatment? But I didn't. And this is, and this was a much less severe offense, you know, smoking marijuana versus, you know, taking a performance enhancing drug that could ban you for several years. Like they're two very different things. And so now let's take a look back. When, what are some other examples of this happening or something similar happening, at least in track and field? And so from my eyes, I could see two other similar type of examples of this happening on United States track and field. Now, there's probably other ones I can't think about, but here are two that, that, I, could, that I could figure out. So one was from this year, and it was Brianna Rollins-McNeil being allowed to compete at the Olympic trials, even though she had an ongoing case uh, for whereabouts issues. So with her, she was allowed to compete at the Olympic trials, even though she currently had a potential ban of what would be what was it, four to six years for whereabouts issues as being her second uh, second offense, I believe it is. Uh, and so she was still allowed to compete. She ended up even making the Olympic team. She came in second place, but she was not allowed to move on to the Olympics because after the Olympics and in between the trials and the Olympics, they found out like, nope, they're upholding the ban and she was no longer allowed to compete. So that's one example of an athlete being allowed to compete and then them figuring it out later. Obviously, this is the Olympic trials, but it's as close as I could figure it out. Uh, a next potential issue would be the uh, Demi Payne. So if you don't know who she is, she was a professional pole vaulter. And back in 2016, she actually tested positive for steroids in December. And so she tested positive for uh, steroids at the Indoor Nationals in 2016, or I guess it was 2015 at the time. And then she was still allowed to compete at the trials, and she was really one of the favorites to make the team. Like, she had the one of the best PRs. She had jumped 4 meters 90, which was definitely going to be one of the best in the United States. 
she doesn't end up making it. She didn't perform very well. The conditions weren't great, but she had a legit opportunity to make it. And then after that, she actually got a ban for four years. Um, and it seems as if she might just be calling it calling it quits on her career. She was eligible to come back in December of 20, not December, sorry, in outdoor 2020. She hasn't yet. Uh, and it seems like she, she may not be doing it. Uh, so that's uh, a second one. And I actually forgot, there's a third example of something similar uh, happening as well. And this actually happened in the 2020 Olympics. Uh, Blessing Okabare. So Blessing Okabare, she uh, tests positive for steroids. Not steroids, I'm sorry. Uh, it was some PED. I can't remember exactly what it was. We did a podcast about it before uh, talking about, um, you know, the, the steroids or the PED use. And that's at the Olympics. And then she's not allowed to compete the next day. She's a Nigerian sprinter. And so she competed in the semifinals. They find out about it. And then she's barred for competing in the rest of the Olympics. And so there is, it's, it's weird because all of these athletes have been treated very, very differently than, than all of than like Shikari. She competes at the Olympic trials, not allowed to compete in the Olympics. Uh, you have Demi Payne and Brianna Rollins McNeil competing at the trials. They one of them making the team and then not allowed to compete at the Olympics as well. And then you have Blessing Okabare, who was uh, competing originally in the Olympics, and then they found out about the PDUs, and then she's not allowed to compete. And then now you have this other girl um, from Russia who c- competed in the uh, is competing in the Olympics. They find out she has PDUs, and then she's still able to compete in the Olympics. So what's going on? Like, let's have a very rigid set of what's your what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And one of their their claims was that hey, she's a 15 year old girl. Like, they don't want to her. You know, the suspension is going to completely ruin her. And yes, I get it. Like, I'm sure she is probably going through the emotional roller coaster. I would not want to be her at all. Like, especially if she didn't actually take this and it was like her coaches that gave her supplements. They're like, yeah, take this supplement. You're going to be good to go. You're going to be better. And she's like, is it legal? Like, yeah, of course it is. And your coaches screw it up. Like if this is the, if the athletes, like, I want to like, give me whatever it is to be better then I have no sympathy for her. But if it's like, Hey, your coaches, your parents, someone in your staff, like gave you these performance enhancing drugs then I feel so, I feel so bad for her, man. Cause like this ruins, like ruins her life, ruins her livelihood. And so I'm really hoping that that it's, it's not, I don't know. It's, it's just such a crappy situation. Uh, she's going to have a really tough upgoing and I mean, she's pegged to be top three, but I mean, Hey, if all this crap happening, who knows if that's going to happen. So, uh, yeah. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, how was, how are all these athletes been treated differently? Let us know. Uh, and then last thing I want to talk about are the is college, college track and field. So with that, we've had a couple really good performances. Uh, this past week, we saw a national record go down, the second, I believe, national record go down, um, and both of them being on the women's side. Yeah, so for college, there's been two national records, both of them on the women's side. The triple jump was a few a few weeks ago. Excuse me, I believe that was Jasmine Todd who beat it. We originally thought that it was, um, was it Orduru? Oh man, I, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Uh, the, the triple jumper from, from Texas Tech. We originally thought she had broken it. 
Uh, in fact, no mismeasurement. And so we had uh, Jasmine Todd who broke it in the triple jump. And then now Abby Steiner breaking the 200 meter indoor national record. I mean, she is just on a roll. Uh, I'm hoping that she stays healthy because she had an injury late in uh, the track season last year and she wasn't able to compete at the Olympic trials or I believe at outdoor nationals. And I really want her to because she's one of the best sprinters in the United States right now. I mean, she has the national record in college in the 200, the world lead in the 200, and then she also has one of the top times in the 60 as well. And she probably will have one of the top times in the 100 also. So she's a, a definite competitor to be making this outdoor world team. Once again, college track and field season is so freaking long. These athletes are competing from in her case, she was competing from December of 2020 and would be expected to be competing until July of 2020. Sorry, uh, December of 2021 until July of 2022. That is a long freaking season. And so it's going to be an issue. Like, is she going to be able to compete at a high level when she's competed at indoor nationals, outdoor nationals, uh, trial, like all that stuff? Like, it's going to be tough, but I, I think I think she, she can do it. And I'm really excited to see what happens when she goes pro. Uh, I wouldn't be too surprised if she turns pro this year. Um, and then wanted to talk about some of the team performances. So you really have a battle at the top on the men's side and the women's side. So on the men, it's Georgia versus North Carolina A&T. And then on the women, we're really seeing Florida versus Texas. These are the two teams that seem to be going at it. And they're very different ways of attacking, I guess you could say. On the women's side, they have five events that are overlapping. So in like the 60, the 200, the 400, the pentathlon, the high jump, the long jump, that type of stuff. They, they have five events that both of them have potential in scoring. That's not including the relays. And then on the men's side, they only have two events that are overlapping. I believe it's the 200 and the 400, not including the relays as well. And so it's going to be interesting because with Texas, if you're Texas, Florida, when you're, you have so many events that both teams are competing in, those points double because if you make, if you win and then you displace the other person from winning, you just kind of doubled your points because you're making, you get 10 points and they get, uh, they don't win, they get eight points. And so your win, uh, you know, and then you're displacing them from, from not winning as well. Like that's, that's even more, that's even better than if you win and they didn't have anyone competing in it at all. Uh, so by displacing them, you know, makes it, makes it even better. And so it's going to be a very, very tough competition for, for Florida versus Texas. And like I said, Tyra Gittins going and transferring over there is really the only reason that the, this is even close. I mean, Florida is still about uh, a 15 point favorite. Like they still do have a good lead, but with a lot of other teams starting to pick things up, I mean, we saw Texas A&M, they've really started to pick things up uh, recently, even though they don't have Tyra Gittins. Uh, seeing a lot of these schools bring out some of their top talent is going to make it even more exciting. And then on the men's side, very similar thing. Uh, there are two teams that are very, very close, but they don't have very much overlap. Uh, Randolph Ross is going to have a lot of things on his back. He is slated for the 200, the 400, as well as the 4x4. And so he, seeing how he's going to be competing. And then on Georgia, you know, obviously we have Matthew Bowling, who's going to be having a ton of competitions 
for himself. And then Elijah Godwin, too. I mean, those are those are two guys that are going to be having a very big workload and are going to be the main forces on whether Georgia wins or they lose. Same thing with Randolph Ross. He's going to be the guy, whether they win or they lose, is going to have to do a lot with how that guy competes. He's the far and away favorite in the 400, 200, not as much. And then 4x4, anything can happen. So it's going to be exciting. I mean, if I'm making picks, i got to go with North Carolina a and I mean, just because they're a non-Power 5 school, I need to see this happen. I really want to see it happen. Uh, on the women's side, man, it's so close. Like, I really do like Tyra Gittens. But, I, like, making up 15 points is hard, man. Like, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to do. Uh, obviously, this is not including her even competing in the pentathlon yet like uh all of my power rankings are only done once that athlete competes so tyra giddens still has only done long jump and i think high jump um but i i I think i might have to go florida it's it's going to be really tough to displace them they have just so many athletes and they're so deep but what do you think uh on all these stories i mean what where do you think justin gatlin's legacy lands what are your thoughts on this PED use for the Olympics? Is this going to be creating a precedent where we might be seeing a lot more positive tests coming through and athletes still being able to compete? And then what are what are your thoughts on college track so far? We've seen a lot of great competitions. Uh, who do you think is going to win the national championship? And I guess overall thoughts on Abby Steiner as well. Might as well throw that in there. Um, I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. It's been another episode of Track World News. If you want more content, go and follow us on Instagram at Track World News. If you want to actually see this video, you want to see my goofy face talking, follow us or go subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Track World News, and you'll be able to see the visual version of this as well. That's going to be all of it from all of us, all of that from us here. Have a good one. Talk to you soon.